0: Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Logan Bailey. I lead our high school ministry here at Peace and also our young adult ministry here at Peace. Thank you for your prayers. Um, our high schoolers, as John, Pastor John said, we're, we just got back from a mission trip uh, in Grand Rapids. It was incredible. Uh, we took 22 students from Peace Church and also there were nine students from River of God Church in Byron Center and we served over 10 urban ministries throughout the week. Uh, we also put on a vacation Bible school for the kids in the Black Hills neighborhood in Grand Rapids. And multiple times throughout the week, uh, we would just take a second and look at each other and say like, man, an entire mission trip could be on this one thing that we're working on with the one ministry we're working with. Like, we just, it was incredible. We were able to see so many different ways that God is moving and is still moving in the city. So if you know anyone that went, uh, Please ask them questions and get them to tell you stories of, of different ways that God moved. Um, God is doing incredible things in Grand Rapids. Thank you again for your prayers. It goes without saying, I think, that uh, I'm pretty exhausted after that mission trip. So, uh, and yet, here I am in charge of uh, bringing the word this morning. Thankfully, uh, the word of God reminds us that uh, his power it, um, is in our weakness, is, is shown in our weaknesses, so we're in good hands. Um, Please open your Bibles to Romans 12, that's where we're going to be at this morning, and we're looking at wholehearted worship, wholehearted worship. I want to introduce the theme as you're opening there. We've all heard the phrase, just because you put on a jersey does not mean you're a player, or just because you put on a jersey does not mean that you're a fan, in college, I wore a Michigan, University of Michigan shirt, and a friend of mine who was a huge U of M fan was like, oh, you're a fan? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I got a shirt on. And he was like, name a player. <laughs> I couldn't. And he was, he was like, take off the shirt. Do not put it on again. You are not a fan. There is a difference between a half heart and a whole heart. Simply supporting something does not mean that you're all in For example, recently, the young adults, we went camping and um, I stayed at the campground the whole time. It was wonderful. Uh, I was sitting there drinking coffee in a chair, enjoying the day, leaning back and resting, and I had apparently reached a point of such relaxation and rest that my lips decided to not fully commit to drinking my coffee. And so I accidentally poured coffee on my white shirt. Um, I was half-heartedly drinking my coffee, so instead of drinking it, I wound up wearing it. There is a difference between a half-heart and a whole heart. So I want to connect that idea to our needs here and now. I have noticed in my own life an immense sense of purpose and joy on Sunday mornings here in this room. Worshiping our Savior together, singing praise songs, studying his word, proclaiming his truth, praying as a church family. But if by Monday morning I wake up and I go to work and I don't have a single thought of Jesus, then I have become content with half-hearted worship. If Sunday morning is the only time that I am worshiping God, then the sad truth is I am worshiping something else throughout my week. That is a half heart. And for me, that's a problem because I want to follow Jesus. If we do not worship God with our whole hearts, then we are in danger of following something else other than Christ. So I'm here today to proclaim God's invitation to us all to wholehearted Worship. Let's open to Romans 12. These are the words that are on the screen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I'm gonna read it one more time, and I'm gonna read it a lot throughout the message because it's, it's worth reading. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your divine plan of salvation through your Son. God, you are so merciful and so good, and we wanna recognize that this morning. Father, I pray that we can stand in awe of your mercy. Holy Spirit, please reorient our hearts Towards you this morning, and may we worship you wholeheartedly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we've been looking at uh, the markers of spiritual maturity. Raise your hand if you got the book, Organic Disciples. It's so good; I love it. Um, markers of spiritual maturity: ways that we can live more like Jesus. And so far, we've looked at the importance of engaging with Scripture. And we've also looked at how our prayer lives ought to be passionate and sincere and consistent. And today, we're turning our attention towards wholehearted worship. And I think that Romans 12 verse 1 gives us a beautiful encouragement towards that end. Uh, The book of Romans is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome in the first century. And he says in chapter 12 verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So I just want to look at this. I want to I highlight different things in this verse. First, I want to highlight this phrase, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. Therefore, by the mercies of God. God is merciful. God is merciful, God is good, and this verse is telling us that our first step has to be to recognize and acknowledge God's goodness and his mercy. And what Paul is about to do in, verse, in, in chapter 12 and on is he is about to explain what a Christian is meant to look like. He's about to explain what the Christian life is meant to look like. But first, first things First, we have to stand in awe of God's mercy. So let's do that. I'm going to try and give a snapshot of what Paul has been saying so far in this letter, in the previous chapters. Um, And I'm just going to read various verses from chapters 1 through 11. Here's what Paul has been saying. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For God shows no partiality. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, so that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart One believes and is justified. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This is the grace and mercy of God. And like standing before a magnificent sunrise, or standing before the Niagara Falls, there is a right way to respond to something awesome. And that is to stand in awe of it. You would be dumbfounded to visit the Grand Canyon for the first time. Raise your hand if you've seen the Grand Canyon. Everyone I've ever talked to, I haven't, but everyone I've ever talked to that have seen the Grand Canyon, they just, man, took my breath away. You would be dumbfounded if you went to go see the Grand Canyon for the first time, but everyone else with you was on their phone playing Candy Crush. I had to look up if Candy Crush was still popular. It is. We ought to recognize worth and goodness when it is right in front of us. God has moved, God is merciful. He is good he is worthy and we ought to respond and there is there is a right way to respond to God's mercy we ought to recognize his worth and his goodness and stand in awe of it God is merciful therefore brothers by the mercies of God present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The next thing I want to look at is this phrase, present your bodies, which is your spiritual worship. Present your bodies, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, this verse uses the words bodies and spiritual, and I do not want us to think of a Of a dichotomy between the physical world and your soul. This verse is not saying that our bodies are bad and that our worship is only in our soul. This world is God's creation. It is our home, and God has promised to rid it of sin. So I don't want us to think that that Paul is trying to create some dichotomy between the physical world and the spiritual realm. What this verse is saying is well, I'll explain it. <laughs> but I want to define some terms first so that we're on the same page. Present your bodies. Present your bodies. The Greek word for bodies here is meant to give us an image of a whole person, an entire person. As in, don't just give your money. Don't just give, help, lend a helping hand. Don't just say nice things with your tongue. But present your entire body. Present your whole life to God. Give your all. Give your whole heart. Second definition, spiritual. The Greek word for spiritual here means rational or right. So when this verse says spiritual worship, we ought to read that as right worship, as in the right way to worship is to give your whole heart to God, Present your whole heart to God. This is your right worship. Giving your whole heart to God is the right way to respond to God's mercy. So what is worship? Worship is what you give your whole heart to. Worship is recognizing the ultimate worth of something and giving your whole heart to it in response and only God is ultimately worthy. I think it'll help if I, if I first explain what wholehearted worship isn't before I explain what it looks like. And I think I'd, I'd say this, the most effective way to avoid worshiping God is to worship him with a half heart. The most effective way to avoid worshiping God is by worshiping him, him with a half heart. Attending church, but not thinking about God the rest of the week. A half heart. Thinking that Jesus is great, but not letting his gospel influence your bad habits. Praising God with your lips, but also spreading gossip about your coworker. A sure sign that you aren't worshiping God rightly is a half-hearted lifestyle. And I don't want to say any of this to make any of us feel shame, because I think we all struggle with this. We all struggle with worshiping God wholeheartedly. We all struggle giving Him our full devotion. But the question is how do we respond when we realize that we've been giving Him a half heart? How do you respond when you realize you've been giving Him a half heart? Do you feel shame? Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is merciful. Jesus is always inviting us back to wholehearted worship. So don't feel shame, but feel invited. Feel called to it. Feel empowered to do it for God's glory and our good. What is wholehearted worship? It's what we're invited to. It's what we're called to. It's what we're empowered to do. Wholehearted worship is when we live our lives for God's glory. Wholehearted worship is talking to our kids about Jesus and not just on Sundays. Wholehearted worship is seeking regular prayer habits in your life. Wholehearted worship is seeking regular prayer habits with your spouse and your family. Wholehearted worship is putting ourselves in communities that are authentic and biblical. Christ-likeness starts to make sense and comes more naturally when we wholeheartedly give our lives to his glory. The Holy Spirit is welcomed to work through us. Adopting or foster care sounds like an inconvenience, but if we are living our whole lives for God's glory, it makes sense. I have empty rooms in my home and a big yard. If you have empty rooms in your home and a big yard, if we're living for God wholeheartedly, then we are going to feel compelled to use those spaces to bless others. If we are giving our whole hearts to God's glory, then we're going to feel compelled to worship more in all we do. We will feel compelled to biblical engagement. We will feel compelled to passionate prayer, to humble service, to joyful generosity, to consistent community, to organic outreach. When we wholeheartedly worship, it leads to more worship in our lives. And I think many of us might have assumed prior to this message that worship is simply singing. I hope it's clear. Worship has to be bigger than simply singing. It's our whole lives. But it is true that singing has a very special place in Christian worship. Singing does have a special place in Christian worship. It's as if As we give our whole lives to God, we have no choice but to burst out with song that God is good. My wife and I, along with my sister and uh, my brother-in-law, we visited our great aunt and our great uncle who at this point in their lives are masters at gardening. And if you know me, you know that that makes me very happy. I like gardening. Um, And my uncle, for whatever reason, because he likes blueberries, has decided to make blueberries like his thing. They have like bird netting around all their bush- blueberry bushes and you have to like walk in and-, and these blueberry bushes are as tall as me and they will get so full with fruit that the branch will dangle to the ground and he has to tie it up because the blueberries are so heavy. It looks like a grapevine. It's ridiculous. Like the blueberry bush, which grows and eventually has no choice but to burst with fruit in our lives, when we give our whole lives to God in wholehearted devotion, we have no choice but to sing out. It has a very special place in wholehearted worship. And even when we encounter hardship, the right response is still and always to say, God is good. Uh, Paul says elsewhere, in his letters that, that God promise, God's promises are so good, they aren't even worth being compared to anything else. Like nothing else can compare to God's promises. One time, um, if you know Paul's story, he was wrongfully thrown in prison and seemingly without hope, but all of a sudden he just started singing praise songs to Jesus. And if you're not living wholeheartedly, if you're living half-heartedly, that sounds weird. But if you're giving your whole life to devotion to God, it makes sense. Singing is worship because we have a God that is infinitely worth singing about. Singing is worship because we have a God that is infinitely worth singing about. It makes perfect sense. And singing is worship just as raising a family is worship. When we sing before the message, when we study God's word, when we talk in the lobby, it's all worship. Every aspect of our lives are meant to be in tune with the worship song of creation. Everything we do in our lives, it's meant to be in tune with the worship song of creation. When I was a child, I attended a funeral, and the funeral was for a man named Bob. And as a kid, uh, you don't notice exactly what's going on at funerals. But What I do remember is listening to what everyone else was saying. I remember listening to how everyone else was reacting to the funeral, and they talked about this man in such a way that made me think as a child, wow, this man was a good man. That man was my grandfather, and he had a faith in Jesus that got passed on to me and he lived his life with such devotion to God that I could see it at his funeral even as a child. This verse is calling us to live in such a way that when the church sings amazing grace at your funeral, it makes sense because your life has already been singing the same truths all along. Wholehearted worship is what you give your whole heart to. Lastly, I want to look at a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The gospel message is that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself on our behalf, died, and then defeated death. His sacrifice was one of death so that our sacrifice could be one of life, a living sacrifice. We are living. We are alive. Our sacrifice is not a sacrifice that kills us because he has already paid that price. Our worship is living and holy because of Jesus. Our worship is living because Christ brings us life. Our worship is holy because Christ sanctifies us. He is worthy of our worship and by Jesus Christ, he has made our worship worthy of him. He sanctifies us. By the Holy Spirit, he leads us in truth. He leads us in prayer. He leads us in service. He leads us in outreach. He leads us in community. And so, we have come full circle. We start by focusing on God's magnificent mercy and we conclude by looking at his marvelous grace. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Name above all names, worthy of our praise. My heart will sing, how great is our God. First things first, we stand in awe of God. First things first, we stand in awe of God and then we respond in wholehearted worship with our lives. And I think this is why mentorship is very helpful. Mentorship is extremely helpful because the gospel calls us to imitate Christ and one of the best ways to imitate Christ is to imitate those around us that are following Christ. As the four generations model shows us, if you have organic disciples, if you're reading along. um, We are all striving to follow Jesus, but we are able to help each other along as we imitate Christ together through relationships. So think of the people in your life that you think are most like Jesus and get around them. Think of the people that are most like Jesus, and get around them. Look up, The people that you look up to their knowledge of the word, the people that you look up to their prayer lives, the people that you look up to the way they serve others, and get as close to them as you can. Mentorship is one way that God sanctifies our worship. As we land the plane, um, I appeal to you, Peace Church, to present your by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. According to the mercies of God worship with your whole heart. That is the message for us. Stand in awe of God and then live in awe of God. That is for us. He alone is worthy. We could take this and apply it in a million and two ways, but I thought of um, something that has been really impactful in my life and I wanted to share it. Play worshipful music throughout your week. This has deeply affected me recently. Worshipful music, not just worship music, but worshipful music is any music that draws our minds towards Jesus. Music that draws our minds towards Jesus We can help ourselves worship wholeheartedly by playing worshipful music as often as possible. Music that reminds us who we've given our whole heart to. Try to do this. Play music that points you to Jesus as often as you can this next week. As we look towards what wholehearted worship looks like in our lives, this can help us. Remind us of who it is we've given our whole heart to. Recently, um, I made a playlist called Worship. And... Uh, I think it plays for like four days straight if I just hit play and let it go. But I just went through all the songs I listen to frequently and I, I put in the ones that, that, that point me to Jesus and I just hit shuffle on that all the time and listen to it. Um, this morning I did that. Just hit play on your phone of some of the favorite songs that draw your minds towards Jesus. And for me, it has been such a nice discipline to just wake up in the morning, hit shuffle and be reminded of the God that I've given my whole heart to, to stand in awe of God. So often, I know for myself, I can go about my week and and not properly think of my Savior. And I'm able to reorient my heart simply by by listening to music. I'm able to reorient my mind to to the God I've given my life to. And then if you do this enough, Uh, what happens is songs get stuck in your head and even when you don't have a phone or you're with people or whatever and you you can't play music, you're able to sing to yourself. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've been in my car alone and I'll just start singing. I'm gonna sing and I want you to sing with me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. The amount of times I've just, I've sung that, and then sing it again, and then again. So my prayer is that that's stuck in your head. Um, decide this week to listen to music that draws your mind towards Jesus as often as possible, as you're driving to work, as you're doing homework, as you're doing chores around the house, all the mundane moments because when our minds are drawn towards Jesus, we are reminded of who it is we wholeheartedly worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. God, we thank you that you are good. Father, we thank you that you are merciful. You have have promised to be our God, and through your Son, you have made us yours. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your faithfulness to our good and your glory. And, And Father, we pray for our weeks ahead, we pray for our day as we further meditate on your truths and are reminded of who it is we've given our whole heart to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.